I am really excited, everyone, because I believe I have finally 100% Microsoftified Frank just now today as he has installed Microsoft Edge and is now playing around with the built-in, I don't know if I'm going to call it a sidebar, it's my new favorite feature of Edge, but it's the, Bing si- it's the Edge sidebar, and he's now playing around with the Bing chat directly in it. How's that going, Frank? <laughs> James, you caught me in a vulnerable mood. All right. I was I was already running a Google Chrome beta. You know, I'd already broken out of my s- scary <laughs> where I want to be in browser land. And you're like, you can't install the edge. I'm like, do they make edge for Mac? And you're like, you, you are so dumb, Frank. Anyway, that was the story as I remember it. And so you convinced me, yes, to install the Microsoft Edge browsing experience on my computer and to check out... I believe, I'm going to call it the Discover area, but you're right. It's it's Discover Chat, Discover Compose, Discover Insights. And what they do, I, I think you might have mentioned it before, but I never tried it. They baked ChatGPT or whatever, who knows what, into the Bing. And I kind of get where you're coming from, where this is kind of useful. So I guess we should talk about it. Yeah, it's it's really neat. This is this is this again is one of my new like favorite features that has happened as of recent. And what I think was really nice about it is there's this there's this sidebar and I've been using it at work all the time, not not the Bing chat, but specifically the sidebar, because when I go and it's really neat integration, like when you open a link in Outlook, it'll open it. Obviously, it's a link open in the browser, but like Outlook and Edge know about what's going on. So it opens like a mini Outlook inside of your browser and you can like archive (laughs) and respond. It's just, you know, multi-window mode. It it just, you know, it makes a lot of sense. But I did find myself today. We were talking about um, Amazon um, Sidewalk in our Patreon feed. Uh, Go check that out. Patreon.com forward slash Merge Conflict FM. Plug. And uh and, and you were ordering it, but we just had a lot of questions. You had a lot of questions and I didn't have the answers. And like you said, the Amazon website that we signed up for the, for the test devices was extremely sparse. I didn't even know where to go. I didn't know where to look. I had just read an article online. So in real time, as we're looking at that website, I decided to have a full on conversation uh, with Bing chat on this sidebar. I just opened it up as I'm looking at the Amazon you know, site and I'm recording the podcast in real time. So I'm just having this conversation. I don't have to open another tab. I don't have to do anything. I'm just having this conversation and you're asking me questions. So I am asking <laughs> it questions. Now, if we can get a oh. chat GPT um, plus live share integration where we can share a chat together, now that would be something. I just realized I kind of used you as Uhura from Star Trek, where <laughs> someone would ask something and then she would relay it to the computer as made fun of by Sigourney Weaver and uh, whatever that show was, Galaxy Quest. Oh, that's hilarious. You are my intermediary to the computer that I didn't have the patience for. But uh, yeah, this. Okay, so sidebar is a little bit different from chat GPT. Number one, the prompt is ask me anything. Wow, cheeky. Stole that from Reddit. <laughs> like, what, what do I remember that from? Oh, that's a Reddit thing. Wow, Microsoft is embracing the Reddit. Anyway, um, it, it's, it's a little bit better, I'm going to admit, than chat GPT from a UI perspective because it doesn't only just answer your question. It keeps the context, all that stuff that chat GPT does but it also gives external links to websites if you want to get into that kind of stuff. I got to be honest, the website links feel a little bit 
baptizing to me. We'll, we'll get into that psychological thing, but that's the big difference is that it's it's giving you pointers, at least, into the wider internet. Being being, of course, that makes sense um, of how to follow up on it. So I find that part interesting because I've, I have been getting into like, how, what is a good UI for these language models? Mm. And this is definitely a step. <laughs> it's yeah. a step in a good direction. I'm not sure. I, I feel like we can go further. Yeah. Well, you know, here's a good case in point to what you just talked is a lot of people are interacting with chat GPT. We talked about your command line tool for chat GPT. Now the Bing chat is, it is different, right? Cause it's integrating those search results com combination and, and feeding that back. So for example, you know, the first thing that I asked was, you can give me a small summary of Amazon Sidewalk. And it wrote up a thing and it and it did a learn more to 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 Tom's uh, guide to about Amazon and other Amazon page and a few other ones. But to the point, there's actually like this amazing article on the about Amazon.com website from Sean O'Neill. And it was from seven days ago. <laughs> you know, <laughs> new new tech. New technology. So like this is hot off, you know, the things and this is really, really cool because it's integrating all of that data into it from seven days ago. It's not like there was a new model created for it, right? Um, it's just pulling that stuff in. So it was able to help summarize the stuff. And this is actually an amazing article, by the way. I'll put it probably in the show notes uh, about it if you're interested in the Amazon sidewalk. But um, yeah, I think that's really neat. And the cool part about it, I, I this is why the sidebar I think is important. Why the, the integration here is so cool is because those learn more links, you click on it and it just opens on the left-hand side, right? It's not opening a new tab. It's basically splitting the browser into a dedicated chat GPT window with Bing chat. And then additionally on the left-hand side is going to be all your sources and tabs. So it's kind of multiple applications being hosted mm -hmm. inside of edge, which is kind of cool. <laughs> it's the old calm days, right? We we all <laughs> used to say we're going to write our apps as calm controls, and no one could just ever figure out how to sell calm controls, so it didn't really work. Uh, you know, okay, my one, I, I love everything you just said. My, I want to give a lot of first person perspectives, but that's not yeah. right. I can't resize the right hand window. That's a little bit annoying. So, but I think mm. no, I'm failing. Can I get it to detach at all? No, no, no. Okay, so it does. It, they're definitely going with the sidebar analogy. But here's the thing, man. I think the world's going to switch. It's going to be AI first, you know, website second. So I almost want to flip it around. I want the AI in the big middle area and put the <laughs> web off to the right where the web belongs. <laughs> I don't care. I like that. I don't care about Yeah. Uh, I, I want to talk about one little thing. Do you mind if I just do a small rabbit hole? Uh, because I thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah, go for it. Because I think that, you know, the reason I want to talk about this is we haven't actually talked about the Bing chat uh, integration. We talk more about ChatGPT and those APIs, but I believe there's some unique things here about how it's asking you to prompt and the, the the dials, if you will. And that's what I'm hoping that you're getting into. But if not, then just go dive into whatever you want, Frank. We don't plan anything on this podcast, by the way, people. So this is how, it, this is how, the, this is how it's, uh, it's made. Live. We may not <laughs> we may not plan anything, but you know me so well. You you knew exactly what I wanted to talk about. I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, w I was curious because on the initial onboarding experience, you have to be logged in. So sign into your Microsoft, whatever, and then press the big blue button. And I was all excited to try it out. But it was funny. They actually made me answer one question first. And this surprised me, not because I didn't understand the question. Uh, very few of the UIs I've seen have, A, bothered to ask this question, B, 
thought it would be useful. See, I don't, I don't know why. Anyway, the question is this. What kind of responses would you like? James, would you like creative? Would you like, I believe I chose moderate? <laughs> or I believe the last one was precise. Uh, mm. what, what do you think those mean to you? What, what do they mean to you? So I believe it's trying to, it's trying to get some insight into what you're, what you're looking for. So here's how I perceive them. Let me, let me hit the clear button here, new topic button. So yes, creative, balanced, and more, and precise. Balanced. Okay. Nice. Yep. So creative, I think this is if I wanted to try to like create a story or I wanted to create a recipe or a lot of people have it like create lyrics or a poem. I think it's in that mode, you know, kind of this is more maybe it's dialing into some model or something that is trained on more like futuristic or fantasy or something like that. I feel like balance is just like the default. It's like, hey, this is this is just normal. And then I think precise is. That's a good question. I feel like precise is like, hey, I'm I'm doing re I'm doing research on a um, on a topic um, that's a report and I need to gather more information. And maybe there's something in the algorithm behind the scenes that's like doing check fact checking across multiple sources, like with the Bing integration, you know, that, that stuff. But my assumption is that that the more precise would mean that ideally the results I'm getting back are more accurate as far as if I ask it about James Montemagno, it's going to maybe really dial in or Frank Kruger, like really dial in on 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 that type of data and not look at other sources. Maybe it's limiting the sources it's looking at. I'm not really positive. What do you think it is? Hmm. Uh, I, I like that. Um I don't think it's any of that because no. everything you described, A, would be wonderful. B, is a whole lot of work. No. <laughs> and I don't think they've done it quite that far. But I like where you're going. It's a, I, I wanted to ask you because I, I feel like with new technologies, <laughs> if you don't know exactly how it works, you have to interpret ideas. And I, I'm really hesitant about which words Microsoft chose here. Um, because I think they can be misleading because I think they direct people into thoughts like you have and to believing it does what you just described. But you're not far off from what it, what I think it does. What I think it does is all of these neural networks are still stochastic machines. They're still random. They produced probabilities. They don't produce words. And so you see when they're writing, they go kind of word by word, token by token, but it doesn't matter. It's going word by word. And so whenever you run these networks, and I learned this a lot when I wrote my JavaScript library for running these language models in the browser, it's half of the battle is just executing the network to get the probabilities of which word should be next. So you know, mm. given these three words, it has a dictionary of who knows, I, I think it's somewhere around 50,000 possible words that can follow up with that. So for every 50,000, here's the probability of that word showing up. And so those three levers that you're describing are called the sampling strategies. Given these probabilities, how do I choose what actually to present in front of the user? I can't present the entire probability space. It would make absolutely no sense to the user. And yet you still kind of want to explore that probability space. So here's what I think is happening. Um, <laughs> when you do that sampling, when you just have probabilities, you throw in 
random numbers and you sample kind of randomly using the probabilities. So things come back the way they should, but it's still technically random. And I believe precise is returning the most probabilistic result. Experimental is, or uh, what they call it? creative. Creative. It's, it's, oh God, what an overloaded word. Uh, <laughs> creative is returning a more random response and balanced is somewhere in between. So I believe the lever that they are moving is the randomness generator when they're actually sampling the neural network. Yeah, that that probably makes some sense. I'm in, I mean, I am interested. I don't know if they have an article. Uh, actually, let's just ask it. Uh, <laughs> um, what is it. the how does how does the Bing chat uh, tone of response work? Question mark. Let's see what it says. Mm -hmm. um, because that's what it's asking. It's asking for the tone of that of 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 uh, the, the response. Oh, Again, and... this is kind of what's interesting about it. Is it, uh, it has this? It says, mm, but how does it work? It says Bing Chat has a feature that allows you to change its tone response. You can choose between these modes. By default, it returns balance, toggling it. Uh, but how does it work? But how does it work under the hood? Does it know that when I say <laughs> under the hood? Probably. It's a it common does? enough expression. Interesting. Yeah. That's oh, it actually said how. Okay. So it says, and it doesn't really give me a lot of information, Frank. Well, I'll, I'll say this much. All of these neural networks have that setting. Okay. So Microsoft has to use one of those settings. And the fact that they're bringing up that prompt just makes me think that you're choosing that setting. Yeah. Fun fact, though, most UIs for this just default to the precise, which is give me the next most probable word. And that's usually what <laughs> we used to avoid that in the past. Uh, did you ever do many experiments with GPT-3 before it was chat GPT? Did you? I know we talked about it. Did you ever play with it much? I did not know. I was kind of pretty hands off. I've been actually pretty hands off with everything, including all the <laughs> image creators, everything like that, because I just felt like I wasn't. I, I don't know. I just I didn't dive in, basically. Yeah. Well, the, the old problem with those ones is greedy sampling, which is taking the most probabilistic next word, the most probable <laughs> next word, um, it, it is that it would get into nasty, ugly loops with itself. It would just start repeating itself over mm. and over. Um, it would just, it, it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. You could never return the most probable next word. Um, but then with the way ChatGPT was trained, Oddly enough, most people defaulted to the next most probable word. And that's the way I've seen most UIs work. That's the way my UI works. It's the way most of them run because none of us knew how to present that option to users. So anyway, I think we can finally get out of this rabbit hole. I just thought it was very funny. A, the words they chose. B, the setting altogether. C, the fact that they don't really explain it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it, is, uh, it, is, it is fascinating. And I am curious, like when, if I was to go to, you know, bing.com and then there is also a chat button at the top, you know, is it, is it exactly the same? And I think it is, it, that gives me those, those options there as well. So that's kind of cool. Um, you know, they're, they're unique. They're the same. I think that the main Bing chat, when you go to bing.com, I think forward slash chat, I think it may give you additional stuff, but I'm not really positive. Yeah. yeah. Can I talk about a feature I like? 
Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Uh, after I asked it a question, it suggested follow-up questions. I'm not in love with the follow-up questions it offered. And yet, uh, in my brainstorming of how to make better UIs for this thing, I immediately realized, yeah, automatic follow-up question generation should be a part of it. Don't make me type that. You know, if I want to drill into something, I almost feel like every word in an AI response should be a hyperlink to just formulating <laughs> a question around that word. Ooh, there's the app idea. Anyway, uh, I just like that Bing chat does that. So I got uh, three recommended uh, follow-up questions. None of them really apply to what I care about, but I also asked a very poor question with very little context, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I do like that as a as a as as sort of a I d maybe don't know what to ask it next, right? Because I mm -hmm. think there are people that are honing their skills, and people are starting to improve upon here. Uh, and get used to it. The more you use it, the more you are going to dial in. But if you're given this sort of, you know, helping hand along the way, it's going to be, oh, I didn't know that. And that was really helpful inside of the um, sidewalk conversation I was having. It literally was like, uh, um, do you want to know more about security questions about it? You know, and I'm wondering how, how do you think it's generating those um, prompts in general? Do you think it's sort of reading those uh, articles and coming from chat GPT and it's, it's kind of, does it, does it look in those sources for like next viable information and craft something off of it? Or is it more like, oh, other people have asked similar things, X, Y, Z, or a combination of it? Uh, not being being, I, I could see them using your last solution there of being already having kind of a questioning system. But that said, it is trivial for these networks to hmm. generate their own follow-up questions to their own prompt. They're very good at that. In fact, uh, they may not always be the, in the right order or anything because it, it's, uh, it doesn't know what you know. <laughs> it can't read your mind yet. yet. Um, <laughs> but when it can, it'll ask the best questions. So I would go with um, either it's generating the questions, which is the method I was going to use, so therefore must be right, right, James? Or so. <laughs> uh, Bing has had uh, uh, research for how long now? 10 years? I'm sure they had an internal engine that can also do follow-up questions. Yeah, I assume it would as well. Yeah, I do like that. That is a nice option. There. It's pretty, pretty cool. It's pretty fast. I'm pretty impressed. Yeah, the, the speed is definitely something I'm, because I have my own little command line one, I, I know exactly how fast it returns responses. And you were mentioning when you were using it, you're like, this thing feels like it's speeding up. And I, I was wondering if um, they do a tiny bit of user throttling. Like if you just ask it a one-off question, you don't get high on the queue, but maybe if you're continuing a conversation, maybe it puts you a little, a little higher priority on the queue. Yeah. I am appreciative of a few things. Like I just asked it about the Bing image creator, which I want to talk about here in a little bit. I asked it like, how does it work? And it gave me a thing and you're right. It says, you know, it's, it talks about Dolly and a bunch of stuff in the statement, but it also says, what is Dolly? What are some other AI image generators? How can I use image generators by being image creator, blah, 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 something else, right? That kind of doesn't wrap around, but you can hover over it, I guess. But to your point, right? Those are pretty useful, um, blocks of text. Now, I think what's really fascinating about this is that chat isn't the only mode. There's something called compose as well. Yeah. And I'm going to let you run this one because I have very little experience with the compose, but you were, you were making some good <laughs> arguments for it. Yeah. So in 
general. So, so there's a few things. I think that because it, it's called Bing Discover. So there's an there's another one too that we'll get into. Uh, that that's really really fascinating. It's a t- totally different mode, but it's about sort of interacting on the in, and the website. But imagine Compose. Like I've I've had a conversation. I'm getting some context, and now I want to um, summarize something, or I want to create a blog post or generate an email. Maybe I want to generate an email that says, give me the, uh, write me, write me an email, uh, about the top, you know, locations, uh, in Finland, uh, where people use the sauna. Right. And so, mm-hmm. right. Now you could, cause you could ask it that, but it's going to basically have a conversation with you. What you want it to do is, um, uh, do some of the heavy lifting for you in different formats. So now we're not in a chat mode. Now we're in a creation mode. All right. I think now we're sort of, that's why it's called compose, right? Because we are in the chat mode where it was creating text and responding to us, but it's having a conversation. Whereas the compose mode is sort of like Dolly or the other image creators where you're having it, giving it a prompt and you're giving it some settings to tweak. uh, And then it's going to create something for you. So you can ask it to write about anything. So I specifically asked it to write about Amazon Sidewalk and how developers may use the technology and build devices and include security concerns. And you can give it a tone. So kind of like we were talking about earlier, but there's more. There's professional, casual, enthusiastic, informational, <laughs> and funny. I put professional. And then you can give it a format. So do you want a single paragraph? Do you want an email? Do you want a blog post? Do you want a list of ideas? And then you can give it a length. So short, medium, long. And it'll generate a draft. And it generated an absolutely stunning uh, draft of everything Amazon Sidewalk. So imagine you just had a conversation with uh, the the Bing chat, the chat GPT, and you're getting that context of what's important that you might want to report on or what might a summary of. And then I think here, the fascinating part is you can then go into compose, come up with a better prompt now that you have more information from the conversation, and then have it output a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I kind of love this now that I know what it is. <laughs> it took it took me a few seconds to understand what was going on there. So thank you for the explanation. Uh, but I, I got to take it up a level because the way I see it, this is just one in a many series of apps you can yep. basically write with this kind of thing. And they created a composition app for writing some text stuff. And it's neat. Um, it's it's almost like advanced templating. I always make the Mad Libs joke, but uh, these networks, if you just tell them roughly what you want and then prompt them, uh, then they can generate roughly what you want. And so it's almost like this little applet here is generating a pre-prompt, something that goes a little bit in front of yours so that the network knows exactly what to generate. And it's neat. Uh, the formats they have, the outputs they have are paragraph, email, blog post, idea. Those are fine. It's a good starting point. Yeah. Um, you can you can see others coming up though, like C sharp code, F sharp code. You know, there's a lot yeah. of things you could add those into, and that's why I'm saying this is almost a general UI for just a, another UI into the engine. I do like the ideas one. <laughs> this was the first time. You know, we talk about this so much on the show and everything. You forget that you sometimes live in a little bit of a bubble, and not everyone is playing with these as much as everyone should be. And a friend was designing a little video game. And we were just kind of like joking around, thinking of different weapon types, you know, different missiles, different guns and everything. And I'm like, 
I'm just going to ask the AI, like, give me 50 different weapon types for an <laughs> space game. And oh my goodness, it came up with, you know, a million ideas, 50, you know, you know exactly how many I asked for. Of course, it's a computer. But uh, I, so that's why I find it funny that there's an ideas, a bulleted list <laughs> that can be the output of Bing Compose that is doing exactly, exactly that use case that comes up quite often. Yeah, and you could see this, for example, being used by, um, you know, to start a draft, right? Uh, I think that MKBHD was talking about specifically like, hey, you know, I, you know, start my, my, I have an idea and I have it generate a script for me as a starting point. And then I go and do the validation, the research and make it my own. Or maybe I want it to be the one that creates some of the, the descriptions in my YouTube um you know, um, mm-hmm. video description, stuff like that. Yeah. Or I like the list ideas, like you're saying is we do a podcast and we never know what we're talking about. So like, what if I <laughs> asked it for top podcast topic ideas for new features in .NET 7? And what if it told us, um, how about how to use the new global using feature to simplify code benefits of new minimal APIs, new C sharp features like record structs, file scope, namespace, and interpolated string handlers, how to migrate <laughs> your code to .NET 7 and potential challenges and solutions. Like it just did that. <laughs> How do I upgrade my code to .NET? Yes, <laughs> we'll, we'll do an episode on that one. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, so okay, uh, I, I totally dig compose. It's something you can get chat to do if you prompt it enough. So this is just reducing the amount of prompting you do. And I, I'm just going to repeat myself because I think it's important. This is the future, everyone. <laughs> um, if you're an app developer, not now. We're all fine for now. But in 20 years, a lot of apps are going to be prompts for an AI. And you might as well get good at it now because <laughs> it's not going anywhere. There are bubbles. Bubbles will burst and all that. But this is a foundational technology. And I like to see these tiptoes into apps written for it. But I think we can go much, 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 much further. Yeah. And the the other thing that is in this tab as we close out this tab, and I have one more thing to talk about after this is there's this insights tab and this is kind of fascinating and i haven't really used it until now but this is a little bit more contextual chat and compose those are just you're giving it stuff and then it will open the browser on the left hand side insights is more give me insights on the page that is open right now so as an example if i open montamagna.com it will show me the top sort of hits for what it is finding relevant on this page. So it's finding my bio, my GitHub page, my NuGet feed, my Twitter account, and my YouTube. And then it also gives me related searches to this and then about this site and then analytics. So it gives me monthly traffic, right? And mine's been going down every month. That's great. And where it's coming <laughs> from, is it coming from search engines? Cause stop and blog as much. But I think what's interesting here is let's say I go to Engadget and let's say I tap on an article, right? Let's say I'm talking about the Uni Vault 12 taking pizza party indoors. Now, this is fascinating, okay? Because <laughs> what it does is it's not giving me information about Engadget. It's giving me information about what's in the article on Engadget. So it's going and finding me Q&A. It's finding me key points inside the blog. It's giving me more information. And then it will give me information on the site, right? So, you know, if you're looking for more resources, it's kind of like, I find an article online, but then I really want to go do more with it. And I could just ask ChatGPT or to XYZ, but this thing is kind of doing a big summary 
as if you had binged for it, basically, for all intents and purposes, but kind of organizing it nicely, I think. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. This is this is what we need too. is the passive. As much as I love the prompting and um, the prompting is fun, mm-hmm. um, we need the passive here. It needs to just be the little IntelliSense that pops up all the time. And that's that's just what I'm going to call. I'm going to call it Web IntelliSense. Yeah, um, it is. It is Web IntelliSense. <laughs> I, I like that. That's what it really should be called. I love it. Uh, no one else other than programmers would like that name. But, uh, you know, people have tried this for a while. I remember sidebars. We used to write sidebars for browsers, and we pretended to do this. We're like, we're going to give you relevant search links to our advertisers with very popular shopping items to get through people we have deals with. And those have never worked out. So it's funny. I would almost trust an AI more over like a company giving me a suggestive sidebar like this. I'm like, please, and, and, and tell me how you're pre-biasing the network and its initial prompts so I know exactly what I'm getting. But it's funny that this, this idea is ancient, but it's coming back around. And it's funny that I kind of trust the AI more. Yeah. All right, now, here's the last thing that we talk about in our Bing, not sponsored by Microsoft episode uh, at all. How do you feel about bing.com forward slash create we were talking about discover Ooh. but now we're creating frank bing.com forward slash create yes Ooh. create an image with the bing all right all right um i would like to see james monta mag no i know how to spell your name too yes monta mango <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's generating. It's just generating a photo of me. It's not going to be great. I did try that. Um, so did you? <laughs> yeah. What the Bing Image Creator is specifically is uh, Image Creator using Dolly in a very nice format. It gives you four results back. You can share. You can download. You can do a bunch of stuff. I've been tweeting some out recently. Uh, I just did one. Uh, here's here's a here's a good one for you. I like people. People is really entertaining because they have way too many fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one here, and now you can share it with people. That's what I really like. So I just sent you a link on the Zencaster. But I put Visual Studio Code presentation with a code editor in front of them showing tips and tricks. And it generated um, a, a person with glasses and a lanyard on because they're presenting, which is funny, uh, <laughs> pointing at a screen that has a big code editor on it as if they're like in a like user group or something like that. And that's like one of four that did a bunch of them, which I think is great. Yeah, why are fingers so messed up? I want there's a Vox video on this. I don't understand, but there's another one. Like, so this is really cool. And I did one that was a my favorite one so far as I'm getting better at this is a cute purple robot that is programming code and racing away in a sports car, modern and vibrant colors. And <laughs> yeah. it and it generated one of the most adorable .NET bots that I've ever seen in my life. I'll just share that with you. I put it on Twitter already, uh, but it's so freaking cute. And now. This is generated, Frank, like this, this isn't art that exists on the internet. This is unique new art that was created for me. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, I don't understand it how is. This works. Now, okay, I'm going to say yes. People, there are caveats and hashtags and everything. Probably these networks could reproduce existing artwork if you mm. prompted them correctly and said, you know, I need a Mona Lisa and the color of Da Vinci, you know, like give it exactly what you want. It could probably do that. But in this case, your crazy little icon in the car, your robot, I mean, in the car is, uh, yeah, that's unique. It was a hard 
step, getting the networks to be able to do this. We could always get the networks to regenerate images in the data set. And we could get them to generate images that were a little bit outside the data set. But then you start getting weird things like people with four fingers or yeah, four mm-hmm. fingers or six fingers and things like that. So there is this real trade-off you make with neural networks of memorizing the data set versus being creative, creative. And you might have heard of the diffusion networks. That was the big breakthrough that allowed us to create these more creative networks that could compose more complicated scenes, not just things that's seen before, but have a concept of a robot, have a concept of a car, put the robot in the car, make it vaguely. I mean, there's tons of mistakes with this image, but it did a it did a pretty darn good job in my opinion. So yeah, this is this is Dolly. This is classic Dolly. Can I explain to you the finger problem? Yeah, I would love to. Uh, again, this is, I don't know. I don't work at OpenAI, everyone. Hi. <laughs> I'm living on an island. Um, uh, it's just the data set. Uh, they chose not to bias the data set toward people. Hmm. And what are people most interested in, James? People. Yeah, <laughs> people. <laughs> True. And so uh, the, uh, p- uh, people want to generate people with these things, but they were afraid of all the pornographic uses, all the honestly terrible scenes it could generate because yeah. it's creative. Deep fakes. Um, it can do deep fakes very easily. <laughs> it's trivial for these big networks. And so they made an active conscientious, conscientious choice not to... I mean, it can do people, but they didn't bias it toward people. They didn't make sure that it did people perfectly all the time. They could have. They definitely could have because now there are pornographic networks that can do the exact right amount of fingers on a person, among other things. Yeah. If you just put in like James Montemagno presenting at a conference, it doesn't look like me, um, but it does look like it's kind a of programmer, I mean, bro. <laughs> yeah, a programmer, bro. Yeah. Um, uh, presenting and I, I don't all, they're all wearing suits though. So I, I guess oh, if I, I got, said at a developer conference, maybe it would, uh, let me do that. At a, I got two t-shirts and a striped shirt. None of them are really your style though. So they're definitely lacking knowledge of you. I'm going to do James Monthan Magno presenting at a developer conference in the future. Now I have nine, 19 Ooh. boost credits left. So I'm going to use the boost. <laughs> That's my favorite that, to get boost credits. It's Microsoft. I, I assume the whole thing will be Xbox points at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I did this one. I'm using them now on my YouTube thumbnails, but as background behind it, I'm going to do some stuff. So I did one on dev tunnels and um, it's cool when you share an image, it shows, shows you the prompt. So this one was a, a, a program that shows a tunnel transforming blah, blah, blah into it. Um, and uh and that was pretty cool. I use it as a background tunnel. Now, if yeah. I do a, pro- a developer conference in the future, I don't really get the future aspect of it, but I am wearing less suits in this instance, which is good. It, yeah. And again, these things are stochastic. Put the same prompt in. It gave you four images. It'll give you another four and another four and another four. Um, it, you can get them to reproduce the same image, but it's a little tricksy. And by okay, tricksy, I mean very simple, but... Here, I think the image, the image of the people are actually pretty good. Uh, very fascinating of these. But now I'm going to say a monkey presenting at a developer conference in the future outside over a mountain view. And that is probably hopefully going to be absolutely delectable. Now, this is fun because I don't have to pay for anything. It's all happening in real time. 
and it's all just built in, uh, which I, I absolutely. <laughs> so uh, you don't have to pay for anything, but they have boost points. Does that just make it faster? Is that makes what those it are? faster? Yeah. Oh, okay. Look at this monkey. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is your first image generator, James. We, been, we, we all went through our image generation phase a month ago. <laughs> oh, this one's even. This that one's is a cute monkey, though. Uh, I will bring up a point that you're discovering. Uh, these networks are terrible at text. They Absolutely are bad. Wretched. Real yeah. bad. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to self-promote here. Hi, go to preclarum.org. I just wrote an article. ChatGPT turns out is capable of generating SVG images. Uh, scalable, which is nice for UI stuff. But also, uh, it gets text right because SVGs represent text as text and so you can be guaranteed that your uh image whatever you want to call it will actually have the correct text in it oh, that's cool i like that yeah i did one because a lot of my stuff i've been doing is for programming stuff so i've been talking about like a code or an editor or whatever and it's just a bunch of shenanigans but it looks cool i i think it looks like something out of hackers so like there's a like a uh mainframe it looks like i put a <laughs> I like use words like neon futuristic like oh, it yeah. does like, you know, it's, it's really into that stuff. Um, um, yeah, yeah think, it's just all over. Think of it this way. Um, chat GPT based on GPT three had 4,000 tokens of context. So the, the sentence you typed in, call it roughly two and a half tokens per, uh, word. Did I say that right? Yeah. Um, we're giving it so little information for what it yeah. can take. So you're giving it, what, 100 words, 10 words, 50 words? You could mm -hmm. give it 2,000 words of prompt and still get and still have 2,000 characters left over for it to generate. It's a grand sum between the input and the output. Yeah. And so you can really prompt yourself into oblivion <laughs> with these things if you want to. And that's what the chat is doing, by the way. It's just feeding that back buffer and making it bigger. Oh, I, I should it. say, oh, I, sorry, we did, we did we did an episode on GPT-4, so I already talked about this, but I always use the GPT-4 version of ChatGPT now, and that thing can handle up to 32K a token, so oh. you can really go insane with the amount that you can uh, prompt these with. I am, this, you're saying that these images don't exist. Correct. Look at, yeah. I, I wanted to do something a little bit less. You I can. Test it yourself. Take one of these images and do a Google reverse image search for it. Oh, that's a good idea. I did. It's, a, it's a, very easy to test. I did a sauna outdoor near a cabin snowing at wintertime and is very good. I'm very impressed by all the images. <laughs> yeah. Well, some of them are really photo. Oh, and I guess you could specify photorealistic or Renaissance oh, era. It gives you the tips and I like that. That's kind of cool. Oh, James, after this show, sorry, everyone, I'm going to show you an app I've been developing that really helps you do this kind of stuff. <laughs> well, I think with that, then we should just end the show. Also, I'm just going to start generating images. And this probably hasn't been fun for anyone, but I will put <laughs> some of the links into the show notes. So you, you better put see. all the links in. Let people follow along. <laughs> I will. Do not do not worry. Everything I shared with Frank, I will put into it. Uh, you'll see it in the show notes below. Uh, let us know what you've been generating with ChatGPT, Bing Chat, Creator, Composer, all these things, let us know. Head over to mergeconflict.fm. But that's going to do it for this week's Merge Conflict. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.